Hi, I'm Rochelle Jackson, and this is The Crime Couch. I'm an investigative journalist and true crime author, and I know who's who in the zoo. The crims, the cops, and the interesting individuals in between. So get comfy and join me here on The Crime Couch. It's going to be one heck of a journey. Jeff Tullock is a former superintendent with Victoria Police. He spent 32 years in the job and worked in the mobile traffic section, crime cars, and did several stints as a law instructor and in the training research section before finishing at the police academy. But Jeff's real passion is his aerial square four motorbike. And at one stage, he was the only motorcycle cop in Gippsland. Hi, Jeff, and welcome back to The Crime Couch. Thank you, Rochelle. Pleased to be here and be interviewed. Lovely to have you sitting with me, Jeff. Tell me, when did your love affair with the motorbike, when did that begin? Probably at 17 years of age, my father had a business in New South Wales and uh, to go around and collect orders from the horticulturists in the district, I he bought me a little 250cc BSA motorcycle and I used to ride around and knock on the door and get a grocery order, go back the next day and deliver it. What do you love and what do you enjoy about riding a motorbike? Probably in those days, to start my enthusiasm for motorcycles, we didn't have the money to buy a car. So a push bike or a motorcycle was the first conveyance that we got used to and free and easy, go wherever you like, whenever you like. Your friends all had motorbikes and it was a very enjoyable experience, particularly in the country. And you were a country boy, weren't you? Yes, I came from the Sunraysia district, uh, living uh, between Mildura and Wentworth at a um, New South Wales town called Kumiella. You also rode a very powerful motorbike when you were in the mobile traffic section, a 1958 Aerial Square 4, which you often speak about with a great deal of affection. What does that bike mean to you, Jeff? Probably means a fair bit because it was the first and most powerful bike that the Victoria Police ever purchased. Four cylinders, uh, 1,000 cubic centimetre capacity in the cylinders, and the fastest bike on the road probably in Australia at the time. And uh, it was exhilarating to ride. It was fast. Um, and in those days, we didn't. We had a police siren on the bike, but we didn't have uh, some of the other accoutrements that they have on the more modern police bikes. I notice it's got a visor. Does it have any sort of bags or like carry bags? Or what makes it a, such a specific and interesting sort of a, a motorbike? I think the, uh, it weighed a quarter of a tonne. Probably the fact it was the first four-cylinder motorcycle ever used in Australia uh, for police work, and at 1,000 cubic centimetres, it was mighty fast, uh, way over 100 miles per hour with ease. How fast did you get it up to? Well... <laughs> Be honest. <laughs> I did get it up pretty fast at one stage and one I regret having done but I got away with it. I was chasing the motorist in Burwood Road at 100 miles an hour on a police motorbike and that's about 150 feet a second. Had anything gone wrong I wouldn't be here talking to you today. Jeff, did you have any stacks on, on the bike? 
I never had an accident. I was one of the few members of the uh, mobile traffic section that never, ever had a police accident on a motorbike. I have to say that there was one small one in Upper Heidelberg Road when I was stationary at an intersection and a motorist, not looking where he was going, ran into the back of me. Very embarrassing. But apart from that, no accidents. That's extraordinary. It's very unusual, isn't it? Because generally with your motorbike, and if, if you happen to hit the ground and the gravel, it's not that forgiving. Uh, once you uh, come off that motorbike at speed, you generally finish up in hospital. Absolutely. How did your precious bike, how did that end up in the police museum, Jeff? I was at home one night probably over 10 years ago and I was reading a Melbourne newspaper and a person by the name of Mr West had put an advert in the paper, did anybody know the history of motorcycle registered number CF107, which he'd purchased in a thousand pieces from a resident in Ivanhoe. I made contact and uh, went out to see Mr West at Ringwood and uh, helped him uh, with the colouring of the bike, putting the pieces back together in until it was in mint condition. So that was your bike? That was my bike. I could not believe it. We're talking 50 years since I'd seen it. What journey had that bike been on? You you were riding it and then what did you have to give it up or what what happened? When police bikes reach a certain mileage, and I can't remember the exact mileage, I think it's about 30,000 mile, they get traded in on new bikes and they were traded in to a motorcycle retailer in Elizabeth Street, Melbourne, and they would have been purchased by a, a civilian and passed through how many hands until uh, Mr West bought it. An enthusiast put it all back together again and we had to find a police sign, which he went to Bendigo and found one, had to find the correct police bags. There were quite a few parts, and particularly the windscreen. It was very hard to find from that era, but it's all in back in mint condition. And if anyone listening to this podcast would like to go and view your bike, it's apparently in a crate at the moment, isn't it? I think at the, the police museum, but it will end up actually literally being on, on the display there. Is that right? Yes, it's currently in storage pending the opening of the new police museum at police headquarters in Spencer Street, Melbourne. What an extraordinary story that bike has had in itself. So Mr West, the the person that you went around to deal with and and uh, to help putting the bike back together. He must have been a real motorcycle fan, was he? Absolutely. Absolutely sold on motorcycles. And he offered to sell it to me, but I managed to have a meeting with the chief commissioner and another commissioner in at William Street headquarters at the time. I gave them the history and the request from Mr West that he wanted to sell the bike and they gave me a cheque for a large sum of money and the bike was purchased and put in the museum. It's a fantastic legacy. It's something still which you're very proud of, I can tell. What does it mean to have your bike on display, which it eventually will be, in the, in the police museum? What does that mean to you? Probably means a lot to me, not too much to others. Uh, motorcycle enthusiasts would find it interesting to see a bike that's now 70 years old. 
uh, on display in uh, top condition. But um, the most important riding I did that of that motorbike was in Gippsland when I had the uh, territory from uh, Stratford to the border and the sea to the Murray River. One man. That almost seems like an impossible boundary. How did you manage to police all that in just with one person, your good self, and the motorbike? With a lot of fun. It was just fun, but I was very young, and uh, my father had a friend in Omeo, and uh, I decided to go up to Omeo to see the only one of two log cabin lockups left in Victoria. So I took a lunch and went up to Omeo, and everybody stopped and stood and stared. There had never, ever been a police motorbike in Omeo prior to my appearance there in 1959. You must have looked like uh, as someone in a spacesuit in a, in a different... Like, why hadn't they ever seen... They just didn't have transit police at that stage on motorbikes. Well, there hadn't been a motorcycle policeman down in the Gippsland area for very long. And uh, Amy, I was a long way from Bensdale, but I took a full day trip to go up there and have a look at the log cabin and... Uh, made a couple of uh, intercepts of people doing the wrong thing and uh, they were absolutely gobsmacked when they got booked by a traffic cop way out in the bush. I bet they did. Were you, were you a good motorcyclist, Jeff? I would say average. Um, I took a lot of care because I'd previously, on one of my motorcycles, a Harley-Davidson, uh, swerved to avoid a dog and uh, came to grief and broke my arm. And uh, that probably uh, uh, made me a little bit more cautious. But some of the things we dealt with on the motorbike, scenes we had to go to, uh, were quite amazing. Horrendous, and I'd imagine they'd stay with you for some time. What are the benefits of riding a motorbike as an operational cop? What, What are the benefits of being a traffic cop on a motorbike? I think it's probably more personal and uh, widespread where you just like motorbikes. It's uh, motorbikes and cars were the vehicles used to intercept and control traffic. And uh, uh, being very young, I think most of us were just had our own motorcycles previously and went through that period before we went into police cars and started to back off the dangerous work that was involved. Are there any benefits, though, when you're investigating and sort of pursuing people in the traffic? Are there any benefits to being on a a motorbike? Probably the fact that you can stop, turn around and intercept very quickly is distinct from a motor car. But I had a number of very interesting intercepts. Yes, do tell. Well, on the way to Omeo, we're way out in the bush and the car was coming down off a hill in the dust and turned onto the road to Omeo, and I noticed there was a stop sign there. So I pulled the motorist up, and I don't know why, but I booked him for going through the stop sign, and he started to cry. I said, what's the problem? He said, I'm the local councillor, and I'm the first one to get booked. (laughs) And you said, well, bad luck. (laughs) (laughs) So some of those bookings were uh, interesting. surprising but you had a job to do and uh, you tried to do it with fairness 
because uh, I probably one of the most or the worst ones I had to do. I was at Lake Entrance and the sergeant came out and said, "Jeff, get up to uh, between Bensdale and Stratford. There's been a terrible accident, and uh, the end result of that, a timber truck coming to Melbourne had sideswiped a utility going to Lake Entrance, and the man had had his right arm resting on the windowsill of the car, and it took his right arm off. Uh, I had the job of going to find the semi-trailer, which I did in Bush, not far away, with two drunks on board and the arm on the side of the semi-trailer. Those sorts of horrific incidents would stick with you for the rest of your life, I'd imagine. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we did things in those days. I left the bike in the bush and drove the semi-trailer loaded with timber and put it back in the Bairnsdale Police Station yard. I wasn't licensed to drive, but in those days, that's what you did. Absolutely. At one stage, you were the only motorcycle cop in Gippsland, as we've discussed. Did you have a bit of a reputation, Jeff? Well, the local fire brigade gave me a little bit of a reputation because they knew I had a girlfriend in Melbourne who used to come down and visit me on the train. And on one visit, when the train pulled into Bensdale, the fire brigade pulled out all their hoses and gave her a big water shower as she walked out of the station to meet me. (laughs) These are the sorts of things that you could not do now, Jeff. Well, another one was one night in the dark, I put Jen on the back of the police motorbike, totally unauthorised, drove down to Meetung and proposed to her to marry me on the Meetung Pier. Thank heavens I didn't drop that ring into the water. <laughs> what a great memory. You also had excellent skills on the tennis court, didn't you? I know that. You worked part-time as a Australia's tennis coach. Is that something that also sticks with you? Well, it does because pretty well every policeman in my day had to work a second job. The financial uh, payments weren't up to what we needed and we all did different things. I became an Australian professional tennis coach and uh, I had a coaching business and uh, that led to my son going to the United States at 17 and um, he's been there, he's now 60. Fantastic. You also worked with my father, Bill Jackson, registered number 12372 in the second-hand dealer's squad with the renowned boss, Reg Henderson, the detective with the photographic memory. What are your memories of Reg now? Well, Bill Jackson, Reg Henderson, Charlie Nelson, Owen Lloyd and myself at the dealer's squad for four years worked in very close contact and uh, Reg was actually my idol. He was amazing. He was the only man I have ever heard of in the world who, as a policeman, had arrested over 300 criminals from photographs alone who he recognised in the streets of Melbourne and the various states, including Tasmania and overseas. Extraordinary. You wouldn't get those arrest rates nowadays, would you? Well, I guess it's possible, but I've never heard of anything like the uh, Reg Henderson. Uh, uh, was just unbelievable, a unique man. He would travel anywhere in the world. In fact, when he retired, he became the security manager for uh, hotels in Tasmania. And uh, apparently 26 people resigned when they knew he was going to become the security manager. Doesn't surprise me. And so it's true then. Do you believe that he did have... A photographic memory. 
Well, I've been with Reg uh, at the Many Valley Racecourse, waiting to catch a tram in Flinders Street, and he's pointed different offenders out to me in big crowds of people and said, go and get them, Jeff, they're wanted. And one was wanted from New Zealand. And we're in a crowd in uh, Swanson Street waiting for a tram. How do you remember my father, Bill Jackson, Jeff? And I believe you at one stage had a small altercation on a squash court. Well, he was a pretty good mate of mine, two years living in the same room. Um, He's very fastidious. And as I was, we kept our rooms nice and clean. And when we went to Russell Street in the CIB, we met up again for four years and used to patronise the police squash courts. I got a bit upset with him one day and clouded him across the head and cut his eye open. So he wasn't very friendly with me for a while after that. Sounds fair enough. Did you beat him or did he beat you? That's the question. I don't know. I'll have to look up the. I'll have to look up the Melbourne Herald. <laughs> you finished as a superintendent at the police academy. Um, what was it like for you to go from operational policing to passing your skill set on to others? Well, I'd always enjoyed teaching. Even in my scouting days, I went to England to do the wood badge and got interested in. Uh, teaching as a, an assistant scoutmaster, teaching uh, other people in various sports and especially tennis. And uh, I very quickly became a law instructor at the Police Academy in St Kilda Road for two years. And then um, after my motorbikes, I was approached to go uh, by Senior Constable John Johnson to become an instructor at the Vehicle Safety Testing School of Brunswick. Um, and then I, Chief Superintendent at Ivanhoe of all the northern suburbs asked me would I run the uh, training program for people sitting for promotion in all the northern suburbs. I did that in my own time, hiring a church in uh, Preston and using a big venue in Doncaster. I did that for two or three years. And uh, I got accommodation from the chief superintendent because I had over about 85% pass rate of all pupils that I trained over three years for promotion in the police force. Fantastic results there. And I know very few police members, former police members that I've interviewed, have got such an extraordinary diligence. You've got folders and folders and folders of every day of your service, which you've diarised. Is this something you've always been very good with details and been very thorough, Jeff? Is this something that you've always done? Yes, it is. And you've mentioned my police career is diarised day for day. Uh, in black and white and in colour and almost every incident which are there are thousands they're all enumerated in my history and they're there for posterity for people to read what do you think of today's police members so some of them are risk averse they don't chase speeding vehicles very often they're now wearing body cameras and I actually dealt with one local senior Connie this morning, just down in my suburb, and uh, he had more tattoos than I've ever seen on many a crim. How do you, what's your thoughts about this? Well, that's a very interesting question. Okay, I've got to go back to my day because of the analogy and comparisons. 
Tattoos not permitted. Moustaches not permitted. Short hair and backsides. No beards. Um, and uniform had to be impeccable. Um, I It worries me a little bit these days um, that it's pretty rare now to see policemen uniformly wearing headwear, which in our day with the white tops made them very distinctive to members of the public. And... Um, Yes, I've got to go with the times, but it's it's not for me. I think the dress we had nowadays was excellent. It stood out, and um, you just couldn't have anything but correct headwear, clean, tidy dress. In fact, we had inspections before you went out on patrol of your uniform. Are your boots clean, shiny? Are all the buttons right? Are you looked immaculate. Is your hair being cut? Uh, not so today. Very different today, Jeff. What can today's police members learn from a veteran and someone of your experience, do you think? What can you pass on to them? What lessons would you like to be able to pass on to them? Difficult question. Uh, and with short notice, I'm not sure that I can appropriately answer that question. But I've always said police should be seen as much as possible in public. They should behave and dress as well as they should. It's not knowing how they're administered today. It's really a difficult question to answer, but uh, no shiny shoes anymore. It's uh, just so different that it's uh, another error. We have to live with it. How would you like to be remembered in the job, Jeff? One that was set in an example in uh, behaviour, work ethics, dress, uh, honesty, and uh, an example for young fellows to follow. I was always approachable for anybody who wanted to discuss things because uh, young people come in along in the police force. Uh, There are many things that takes a long time to learn in different situations. What more can I say? Just set a good example and treat other people as you'd like to be treated yourself, particularly the public. And finally, Jeff, when your aerial square form motorbike ends up in a the museum, well, are you going to be the first person down there to welcome it? I'll ride it. <laughs> no, uh, who knows what? I have not been informed as to when it will be back in the police museum, but I hope it will be soon. I'll be there to view it and uh, have a look at it. What more can I say? That's history. We're talking 70 years ago. Incredible memories. Well, it's been a delight as per normal, Jeff. Thank you very much for sitting with me again on The Crime Couch. Thank you, Rochelle. Very much appreciated. Thanks for joining me. I'm Rochelle Jackson, and I look forward to your company next time on The Crime Couch. 